Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It is clear that there is a state of strife within the church, that we, the faithful, have a fight on our hands. We didn't ask for this, we didn't call this, and we didn't seek this out, but it seems clear to me and to others that we are called to fight for the church at this critical time in her history. To be clear, this is not a call for anything illegal. Rather, this is a call to engage in the type of fight that shows why the church has always called those of us on earth the church militant. We are called to battle, to fight the enemies of the church, both spiritual and material, and to do so for the salvation of souls and the glory of Christ the King. This is a cross for this generation, and one that we were placed on this earth at this time to fight. And these are the times that make the greatest of saints. So pick up that cross and get ready. Here are some examples of why we're in a battle for the heart and soul of the Catholic Church. Most of this is from the last 24 to 36 hours. First, we're going to begin with a fraternal correction of the bishops that had been issued by Archbishop Vigano earlier this week. It's short and was surprisingly overlooked by many of those who report on such things. Here's the correction in Vigano's own words. It's pretty short. Fraternal Correction Today, October 6th, the 17th Sunday after Pentecost and the Memorial of St. Bruno, the Office of Readings offers pastors for their mediation the following passage from the Pastoral Rule of St. Gregory the Great, Pope. The pastor should be discreet in keeping silence and profitable in his speech, lest he either utter what ought to be suppressed or suppress what he ought to utter. For just as reckless speaking leads someone into error, so indiscreet silence leaves in error those who might have been instructed. For often reckless pastors, fearing to lose human favor, shrink timidly from speaking freely the things that are right. And according to the voice of Christ who is the truth, see John chapter 12, chapter 10, verse 12, fail to attend to the care of their flock with the love of shepherds, and act instead as mercenaries. For when the wolf comes, they flee and hide themselves in silence. Thus the Lord through the prophet upbraids them, says, Dumb dogs that cannot bark. And again he complains, saying, You have not gone up against the enemy, nor have you built a wall for the house of Israel to stand in battle on the day of the Lord. See Isaiah chapter 56 verse 10 and Ezekiel verse 13, chapter 13 verse 5, respectively. Indeed, to go up against the enemy is to oppose worldly powers with a free voice in the defense of the flock, and to stand in battle on the day of the Lord is to resist, out of love of justice, evil persons who oppose us. For if a shepherd fears to say what is right, what else is but to turn his back in silence? But certainly, if he puts himself before the flock so as to protect them, he builds a wall for the house of Israel against her enemies. Whoever undertakes the priesthood assumes the office of a herald, so that wherever he goes to proclaim the coming of the dreadful of the dread judge. Therefore, if the priest does not know how to preach, with what voice will such a mute herald proclaim? 
It is for this reason that the Holy Spirit sat upon the first shepherds in the form of tongues. See Acts chapter 2 verse 3. Because whomever he has filled, he gives the power of eloquent speaking. Every priest must examine himself assiduously so as to conform his conduct to the supernatural light of this pastoral rule of St. Of Saint Gregory the Great, including the cardinals and bishops, and especially Pope Bergoglio S.J. Signed, Carlo Maria Vigano. Honestly, that is a pretty direct and savage response, made most effective by near-exclusive use of sacred scripture and the words of one of the greatest popes in history, Pope St. Gregory the Great. And to be frank, if there was ever anyone who needed to hear that correction, it's Bishop Emmanuel Lafont, who said at a press conference in Rome that European bishops, especially his own French bishops, must listen to the cry of the earth. If you're beginning to think that that phrase sounds awfully pagan, don't worry, you are not alone. The earth doesn't cry out because the earth isn't alive. It's not an organism, it's not a person, and to borrow a phrase from G.K. Chesterton, the earth isn't our mother. But don't let that stop these apostates from talking like that because Bishop Lafont wanted to talk an awful lot about the evils of plastics, but not much, if any at all, about Jesus Christ and the need to spread the gospel to the peoples of the Amazon. In fact, we've heard virtually nothing about our blessed Lord all this week from these maniacs. Well, except for this. Good old Dr. Eugenio Scalfari came back in the news. Atheist journalist friend of Francis, who reported this week that Francis denied the divinity of Christ. The words attributed to Francis are the following. They are definite proof that Jesus of Nazareth, once he became a man, even if he was a man of exceptional virtue, was not a god. They were alleged to have been said after Scalfari pointed out that Christ prayed and engaged in acts of worship and other similar things reserved to a god. And he did these, of course, to the Father. Now, if these words allegedly of Francis were truly spoken by him, then that would be naked heresy and apostasy that anyone would be qualified to point out. But here's the thing. The Vatican released a a press statement saying the following afterwards, quote, As already stated on other occasions, the words that Dr. Eugenio Scalfari attributes in quotation marks to the Holy Father during talks with him cannot be considered a faithful account of what was actually said, but represent a personal and free interpretation of what he heard, as appears completely evident from what is written today regarding the divinity of Jesus Christ. Those words come from Matteo Bruni the director of the Holy See's press conference, and he said this on yesterday, October 9th. But what does that even mean? I mean, here, here's a thought. How about Francis comes out at a press conference, says nothing else, but recites any of the creeds? I'd prefer the Athanasian Creed. We don't hear it too much, but it's pretty. It's a, long, a lengthy creed, reiterates the faith entirely, and is historically tied to directly combating heresy. And then Francis could tell, tell the world that he is cutting off all ties to Scalfari because it's time for that man to stop taking the Pope's words out of context. But, you know, we, want, we know that's not going to happen. Instead, we get this dreck that only adds fuel to the fire. But this isn't all. This has been a busy, busy week for the maniacs. A week busy with coordinated attacks on the church and her institutions itself. What we're seeing is practically another council, prepared for years in advance, and being unleashed on the world in lightning speed. This is a coordinated assault on the faith, the metaphysics of Catholicism itself, and her institutions. First is the attack on clerical celibacy, which is an attack on the family. This attack was long ago foreseen by Pope Gregory XVI in his landmark encyclical, Merari Vos. He wrote that he released it almost 200 years ago. 
quoting the pontiff of the time. Now, however, we want you to rally to combat the abominable conspiracy against clerical celibacy. This conspiracy spreads daily and is promoted by profligate philosophers, some even from the clerical order. They have forgotten their person in office and have been carried away by the enticements of pleasure. They have even dared to make repeated public demands to the princes for the abolition of that most holy discipline. But it is disgusting to dwell on these evil attempts at length. Rather, we ask that you strive with all your might to justify and to defend the law of clerical celibacy as prescribed by sacred canons, against which the arrows of the lascivious are directed from every side. Now the honorable marriage of Christians, which Paul calls a great sacrament in Christ and in the church, demands our shared concern lest anything contrary to its sanctity and its indissolubility is proposed. Our predecessor, Pius VIII, would recommend to you his own letters on the subject. However, troublesome efforts against this sacrament still continue to be made. The people, therefore, must be zealously taught that a marriage rightly entered upon cannot be dissolved. For those joined in matrimony, God has ordained perpetual companionship for life, and a knot of necessity which cannot be loosed except by death. Recalling that matrimony is a sacrament and therefore subject to the church, let them consider and observe the laws of the church concerning it. End quote. And this is relevant because Bishop Krautler at the press conference said a lot of things, including that the church must tear down clerical celibacy because the Amazonians don't understand it. Well, guess what? Many Westerners don't seem to uh, either. They don't understand that the priest is a reflection of Christ, who was himself celibate, who was never married and never sexually active, and that the priest lives his life reflecting Christ in the world and should be a beacon of purity. They don't get that, and many don't get that the leveling of the priesthood to the family is an attack on both the family and on the priesthood. But Bishop Crowler is happy to exploit the Amazonians and their total lack of catechesis to implement the modernist plan to tear down the Catholic Church and to raise the false church of prophecy. That's their goal. Crowler is basically treating the Amazonians as too stupid to understand clerical celibacy. That's pretty bigoted to my ears. And then we have this. Now open talk of women's ordination. You heard it here, folks. They're admitting it. You know, there's a reason that I always revisit this topic whenever it comes up in the news. The modernists have been wanting this for decades and are now making the push for priestesses in an open rejection of the faith. I'll let Bishop Crowther speak of this in his own words. This clip is making the rounds right now among Catholic commentators and for good reason. Watch. Is the ordination of women deacons part of a push to ordain women priests in the church? I guess many of the bishops are in favor. Yes, but of is, the ordination of, of uh, female deacons. But is it part of a push for ordination of women priests in the church? <laughs> <laughs> you support that, no? You support it. You support women I, priests. Is that not true? You support no, I women tell, priests. I tell you, Kay, that uh, for me, there is no... Is that what it is? Uh, Problem. I remember I was there. No problem. Huh? Because, no, why? Female, women now are able, not are able to be ordained. Why? Do you support women? You would like to see women see, ordained priests? Logically. And do you see this synod as a means to achieve No, that? the synod doesn't... But do you see it as a, as a guess, step? No, a step I, I would that. say it is, but maybe say a step two. Step two, okay. And there you have it. Women's ordination is on the docket, with the Amazon Synod being a step in that direction. 
Many of us have been warning the faithful about this for years. This is a war for the soul of the church, one that older generations than I have been fighting for decades now, and it's not taking it's now taking on a life of its own. But why? Because the maniacs want to eliminate the church that Jesus Christ founded and build a new church that is more Protestant than any Protestant so-called church, and more worldly than any other religion. It's basically Unitarianism 2.0. That's what they want to do, and they're willing to disregard the words of St. Paul on the issue of women in the church, and they're willing to cut off the leg of sacred tradition in the church to do this. But that's not all. This was also at yesterday's press conference. Those of us who are skeptical of the bad science being pushed by the Vatican are now the greatest threat to the human race and to the church according to these maniacs. Why? Because we represent a threat to the UN's sustainable development goals being implemented. You heard that right. So now the business of the church isn't the gospel of Jesus Christ, but the gospel of the United Nations. That may sound provocative, but again, we've heard precious little of Jesus Christ at the Synod. Even when asked about the Amazonians living largely in cities, where there are plenty of priests, why there is a need to change the substance of the church for what amounts to a handful of people in the Amazon, the response was word salad gibberish that wasn't an answer to the question at all, just blathering about new pathways for the church. Cardinal Muller nailed it in a recent letter, or came pretty close, in his own words, quote, in Germany, they almost want to refound the Catholic Church. They think that Christ is just a man who lived 2,000 years ago. They maintain that he was not a modern man. They are convinced that he had done, that he had none of their education. They therefore think that it is necessary to fill in these gaps, and that it is up to them to act. In a homily, Cardinal Marx asked rhetorically, If Christ were here today, would he say what he said 2,000 years ago? But Christ is not a historical figure like Caesar. Jesus Christ is risen and present. He celebrates the Mass through his representative, the ordained priest. He is the subject of the Church, and his word remains and stands true forever. Christ is the fullness of revelation, because of which there will be no other revelation. It is we who must seek to know it more and better, but certainly cannot change it. Christ is unsurpassable and irreversible. And today this does not seem to be very clear at certain latitudes. End quote. And he's correct. He goes on to say that the maniacs in the Synod are trying to drive Christ out of the Church, which begs a question. If they're trying to refound the Catholic Church, it isn't on Christ if they've done that. And here's the real thing. This has been going on since their victory at the Second Vatican Council. And the key is that document on ecumenism. Yes, there are some positive things in the conciliar documents, though the only real positive one that I can see is the call by the Council Fathers for the Eastern Rites to stop Latinizing their liturgy. But the revolution began there, really. It really took shape there. They had been going on long before that, but that was their first major victory. And the purpose was to tear down the church and to replace it with one constructed by man that looks superfic superficially like the Catholic Church, but is a man-centered church where all beliefs are welcome and egalitarianism reigns. And that is what many things, but Catholic isn't one of them. Cardinal Muller goes on to illustrate this egalitarian thinking. Quote, but there does not exist nor can exist a right to the sacrament. We are God's creatures, and a creature cannot claim a right from his creator. Life and grace are a gift. Man has the right to marry, but he cannot demand that a particular woman marry him by invoking a specific right. Jesus freely chose from among all his disciples twelve of them, exhibiting thereby his divine authority. He chose them who, those whom he wished. It is God who chooses. No one can enter into the sanctuary without being called. Once again, the secularized mentality prevails. One thinks like men, not like God. Priestly celibacy can be understood only in the context of the eschatological mission of Jesus, 
which has created a new world. It has been a new creation. With the categories of secularism, one cannot understand the indissolubility of marriage. It is also the celibacy or the virginity of the religious orders. Nor, with these categories, can problems be resolved that have their origin exclusively in the crisis of faith. This is not a matter of recruiting more people to administer the sacraments. A spiritual and theological preparation is needed. One must enter into the spirituality of the apostles, not paying attention to the secular agencies that advise much and on many things for reasons entirely with, in contrast with the mission of the church. Spirituality is needed, not worldliness. End quote. Egalitarianism is a worldly idea, and it is no more evident than the turn to, sus to suspect environmentalism. Egalitarianism rejects the natural hierarchy that the church has always defended, and even attacks the hierarchical nature of the church, which is why they attack clerical celibacy, which is an attack on the family and on the concept of vocations itself. That itself would take on a whole video to explain, but to suffice it to say now is that we have, been, we have seen that these people don't believe in the sacraments. They have attacked the Eucharist through proposals to change its substance, and in proposals to let those unworthy receive sacrilegiously. They don't believe in the indissolubility of marriage, as demonstrated in Morris Letizia. They don't believe in baptism, as evident by their own admission that they haven't baptized anyone in the Amazon in 50 years. They don't believe in confession by permitting nuns to hear confessions but not give absolution. They don't believe in marriage or holy orders, given their call for married priests and pagan women deacons. I could go on and on and on and on. We are in a fight for the life of the church, and many aren't aware of that at all. Many will accept it, even many who agree with us on many of these points. But here's the thing. They won't, be, they won't win. We already know how this story plays out. Our Lord wins in the end. The church may have to go underground, but our Lord will win. So in closing, and I need to close this because I could keep going on and on, there's an anniversary coming up this weekend, and that has me wondering about the timing of all this. That anniversary is the 102nd anniversary of the Miracle of the Sun at Fatima. I'll go more into that tomorrow, as I'll be taking a brief break from the Synod coverage, unless there is something incredibly important that requires a second upload from me in a single day. My patrons have access already to, my, to tomorrow's video. Now, this has happened before, and it may happen tomorrow, but I'll be looking at the timing of all this in relation to a warning the Church received, so be watching for that. In the meantime, please keep praying for the Church. Pray for Francis to do his job. Pray for an end to this monstrosity before the worst elements of the church lead souls to perdition with their terrible and wicked ideas. And please, consider what you will do when they push this on you and your diocesan parish. But don't let them push you out of the church. That is what the maniacs want. They want the traditionalists to go into schism. They want the Burks, Schneiders, Seraz, and the rest to go into schism. Not realizing that by trying to push them and us into schism, that they sin greatly against our Lord. But maybe they don't believe. Thank you for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.